it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. And I want to start with something that's getting no attention and not any attention I've seen from my friends and colleagues. And that is this ProPublica story on billionaire tax data. And at first, you would look at this as it's always presented as here's a bunch of evil, evil, awful, rich people. We have to change the tax code to get them. You've heard Biden wants $80 billion added to the IRS's budget for Airfinger's, quote, enforcement. There's also another story running parallel. That's this one shooting all over the place. It's all over social media. It's a Wall Street Journal report on how average residential homes are being snapped up. Sometimes developments, brand new developments, all the homes at once are being packaged up and sold to hedge funds like BlackRock. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Well, as we go through this piece in Business Insider, you'll understand. And this is something you won't be able to unhear, and you're probably going to bother some of your friends about this. The reason why, now it's not being reported this way, but we could see it this way. Why do you think a hedge fund would want to buy up a bunch of suburban homes? Well, the pandemic, well, the price is high right now. Theory isn't buy high, sell low. The theory is buy low, sell high. What is coming down the road with Biden and Harris? Go back to that academic left, affirmatively furthering fair housing. You've heard Biden is not hiding it. They want to convert the suburbs into multifamily, economically diverse housing. They want to force people out of standalone detached houses. What do you think the value of newly constructed standalone detached houses is going to look like if the Biden administration through the EPA and HUD converts bedroom communities into densely populated spokes of the major hub cities? You got it. The price is going to go through the roof. Now, what's going to happen when that happens? The government is going to start buying more homes to convert them into, you guessed it, multifamily, economically diverse housing. But Andrew, these are standalone homes. They might even demolish them. They might even demolish them. Or what remains of inventory will be purchased at a subsidized rate through the government. This, this is a win-win for these hedge funds. Now, Josh Barrow, if you don't know who he is, he goes back and forth between the New York Times and Business Insider. He's a far-left guy, calls himself an economics writer, but he's just a far-left guy. Headline, ProPublica's billionaire tax data shows the importance of closing two key tax loopholes, and here's how. ProPublica obtained years of federal income tax information For the 25 wealthiest Americans, now how they did that, nobody wants to discuss, and has released an analysis comparing their federal income tax bills to the rise of their net worth over the period of 2014 to 2018, showing their federal income tax bills added up to just 3.4% of their wealth gains. ProPublica calls this their true tax value. 
While I have some quibbles with their analysis, the investigation does demonstrate a real problem. The wealthiest Americans are paying less income tax than our tax policies are supposed to collect from them and less and less than is fair. Now, what you're going to get here, here's where it's going to go. It's going to go to an assessed value view of income tax versus just income. ProPublica tells, calls this their true tax rate. Okay, but I also have a hopeful message. There are solutions available to this problem. They don't need to involve a wealth tax, which is appealing as a political soundbite, but faces enormous political and constitutional and administrative challenges. He says, what is income? If you ask an economist what income is, they're likely to point to the concept called Haig-Simmons, which says your income for a given period is equal to your expenses plus the change in your net worth. This intuitive sense, in this intuitive sense, your income either gets spent or saved. So you add up your spending and your savings, and that's your income. But unrealized gain create issues for this definition in relation both to the tax code and to popular conceptions of income. And this is the example he gives. Suppose your house is worth $300,000 a year ago, but is now worth $350,000 today. Did your house produce $50,000 of income to you over the last year? Haig Simmons would say so, but few people think about things that way. Your home's appreciation doesn't actually feel like income until you sell it, and this is how the tax code works. Asset appreciation isn't counted as income until the asset is sold. This is the main tax avoidance strategy demonstrated in the ProPublica article. The wealthiest Americans owned interest in major companies whose stocks rose, but they didn't sell their shares and therefore didn't report any income related to that appreciation. That's all of you. That's almost all of you. This is being sold as a way to attack the wealthy and their tax avoidance. But once the precedent is set that any asset that appreciates can be taxed, now you'll hear, this is what you're going to hear. You're going to hear them say assets over a certain threshold and standard incomes over a certain threshold. But once the government gets addicted to the revenue from the assets over a certain threshold, Believe you me, the threshold will be lowered. And you have to understand here, if you attack an asset held by wealthy people, they will just not hold it anymore. You want to talk about stocks being dumped? Or how about this? Fine art, gold bullion, rare antiques, all of these things could be transferred out of the country. You could put a classic car on a boat, ship it overseas. You could take a classic, uh, a, a valuable piece of art, put it overseas. You could take gold bullion and store it overseas. If the Democrat left thinks it's going to attack the concept of asset appreciation or unrealized gains, Well, once the wealthy begin to protect themselves from it, they're going to have to lower the threshold because what's going to happen is the CBO 
and the think tanks are going to start scoring future budgets. Well, now we can afford universal pre-K. Now we can afford debt-free college. Now we can afford single-payer health care if we just attack this concept of asset appreciation. But as people make moves to counter the government's new attack on asset appreciation, they're going to say, well, we've already budgeted this money. Now we've got to find these assets somewhere else. And you know who that's going to hit? Anyone who can't avoid them. No, I'm not sitting here being some kind of blue blood radio host. I'm clearly not. I'm not saying that wealthy people shouldn't pay taxes. I'm not defending wealth against the left because that's what my job is. I just see the future of this. And it says right here in Barrow's piece, Joe Biden wants to close the step up in basis loophole. One of the biggest problems with the way our tax code treats unrealized gains is that if you get a big bonus for holding onto your assets until you die, if you buy an asset for $200,000 and it's worth $800,000 when you die, the IRS readjusts the value and your heirs only pay taxes on the realized gain above the new $800,000 value. The $600,000 in gains accrued during your lifetime never gets treated as taxable income. This creates a huge incentive for wealthy people to hold assets instead of selling them. And that's a major way their true economic income gets excluded from tax. That can happen to any of you. The value of your home when you first bought it versus when you sell it. The value of gold. If you look back at gold, 22, 23 years ago, you could have bought gold for $250 an ounce. Now it's around $1,900. Let me ask you this. If they're going to tax appreciation as income, are they going to tax loss and then send you a check to compensate? No, of course not. Now, gold can't go to zero. Or it's almost impossible that it would. This is not a vehicle for getting at rich people. This is a vehicle to get into everybody's savings accounts, 401ks, any kind of property that may be worth money. I mean, think about it. I'll I'll give you something that I think is valuable in my little collection. Over the years of working here at SiriusXM, I wonder, my cousin, when I was five years old, threw out his 1976 original pressing of Kiss Destroyer with the original watermarks from Casablanca Records. I took it. I took it out of the trash. Over the years of working here, I've I've held on to it all these years. Ace Fraley came up to Sirius XM. And I walked up to him. I said, Mr. Fraley, could could you sign this for me? And he said, look at this. It's an original pressing of Kiss Destroyer. Where'd you get this? And I gave him the short story. Then if you remember, if you've been listening to this program, Gene Simmons came up, came into my studio. I said, Mr. Simmons, would you mind signing this? I have no problem signing this. Actually, what he said was, I'll sign it by my schmuckle. So he signed it across his codpiece. Then Paul Stanley came up to promote his art. And I walked up to him. I said, Mr. Stanley, would you mind signing my, my album here? And he looked at it. He didn't really say much. He was in the middle of a conversation, and he signed it. 
Then the most elusive of the original members, Peter Chris, came up to host on the Beatles channel. And I literally snuck it into the studio and left a Sharpie marker. And when I came back, I had all four original members of KISS that autographed an original 1976 copy of Destroyer. Now, what's the value of that? What's the value of that? What's the value of it from what my cousin paid for it back in 1976, whatever the going rate for a brand new LP was, versus what I could sell it right now on a rock memorabilia site? Should the government come into my home and value that and say, well, that album might have sold for a dollar and a quarter in 1975, 1976, but now it's worth, I don't know. What if you found an, what if you were cleaning out someone's house and you found an original pair of Air Jordans in the box, never worn? Now, I'm going to get this, Andrew, it's, it's not, it's not going to be like that. Really? If you found an if you were cleaning out a family member's home and you found an unworn original pair, the first run of Air Jordans, would you A, put them on and tie them up, B, display them in your house, C, going, oh, pfft, that's going up on eBay? What's the appreciation? What's the appreciation from a pair of Michael Jordan endorsed basketball sneakers from the mid-1980s versus now. Should you be taxed on the appreciation or just the sale? The government is, what I'm getting at here is the government is trying to redefine income in a way that produces more revenue for government. The answer to this is not to create new formulas. The answer to this is to have a flat tax or a fair tax. If you want rich people to pay more money to the government, if you were to impose a fair tax, that's a flat national sales tax. When a rich person buys a very, very, very expensive car, they are going to pay more in income. They're going to pay more in sales tax on that car than somebody that buys a standard car. When a very rich person buys expensive things, which is what rich people do, their contributions to the federal government will be higher than other people's. If we had the flat tax. Now, see, here's the thing. A democracy versus a republic. In a republic, there is nothing you can vote yourself at the expense of others. That's a democracy. And that's what the Democrats want to do. They want a democratic, progressive tax code that attacks all wealth. And then comes the free. By then, what will be our concepts of property? Or shall I say, when property, when the acquisition of property feels fruitless, because the more you acquire, the more the government takes from you that there is no safe haven assets. If we get rid of what some people do, which is, let's say I took that KISS record and I went and donated it to a museum for the next five years. A museum of pop culture and music. 
hey, I might be able to write that off as an asset, right? Why would I want to declare any of these things? Well, I guess the government now would declare everything of value. Anything that becomes more valuable, the government's going to lay a tax on you. Now, it might sound silly to talk about my KISS record or your basketball sneakers or that vintage car over there. But what about your 401k? What about your IRA? What about things that you buy that you've already paid taxes on? Think about this. You've already paid taxes. And then you go out and acquire something and it rises in value, but you don't sell it. The government now says we are free to value anything any way we want and then send you the bill. Your private home, all of a sudden the federal government's going to look at your home. Your home's going to become way more valuable than you thought it was. But that doesn't mean the market is going to treat it that way. This is not about getting at rich people. This is about the government now being able to set the value of private property, whether personal property, private property, chattel property, whatever you want to call it, and then send you a bill. It won't be day one. It won't be year one. It is, in fact, a precedent they want to set, and they want to set it popularly. Damn that rich person over there. Now, just because I'm no fan of the politics of people like Warren Buffett or Jeff Bezos, I'm not going to allow myself to get wrapped up emotionally and say, well, because I don't like Bezos, I want to nail him to the wall with taxes. Because you know what? I'm going to end up getting nailed to the wall, and so are you. Wine 695 Patriot 957 We are right, they are wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Wilkow Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 east, 9 to noon west, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125.